0: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Shred Coach podcast with Tom Adams. On this initial episode of 2023, Tom chats with Nate Campbell, iSigma CEO, about current happenings and directions in the association. Nate became CEO of the association in August of 2022, and he shares the story of his early start in the information management industry and the road from then until the present. Mr. Nathan Campbell, welcome to the Shred Coach podcast. It's good to have you here. I'm glad to see you.
1: I'm glad to see you, Tom. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to have you on the initial episode of 2023 as the CEO of iSigma. And I think it's a a really cool start to the year to talk to you today. And yeah, I'm really glad you're here and I'm really glad we get to explore what's happening in your world.
1: That's awesome. Well, and thanks for having me. It's only been about 20 years. I think the last time we did something like this was in 2002, 2003.
0: Yeah, you know, funny you bring that up because back before cup podcasting was cool, I had that crazy podcast called The Rim Pro Report and I interviewed you back then. So it's been a long time and it's nice to have you on the show again.
1: Yeah, I'll look forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity to to talk to the, to the uh, I sigma world and your uh, your fans.
0: So let, let's, let uh, before we dive into the present and future in terms of where you are, what you're doing, where you're going, I, I don't know, I always find it intriguing to dive into your past and uh, because your past tells a little bit of the story of where you came from and... As best I can tell, and I don't remember what we talked about on the previous time, and I know we've talked over the years, but I have this belief that somehow you started your career at Recall, and that's what your LinkedIn page said. So that's the very first thing you can see on your LinkedIn page is your start at Recall. But tell me the origin story of getting into the information management industry. Where, where did this all start for you?
1: All right. Well, you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. Because most people like yourself think of me as a corporate guy, but I'm really not. I'm not a corporate guy. I, uh, I got my start after leaving IBM, you know, male, young kid leaving the mailroom and went to work for an organization that thought the ATM was going to kill the safe deposit boxes and mm. the branch banks. And so we had a small little company that offered safe deposit storage. It wasn't quite working the way that we thought it was, but a uh, small little company called Hewlett Packard, which was just down the street from us, came to us and asked if they could store their computer tapes in our vault. And Mm. so we ended up taking that on and going, hey, what a great idea. So we we built a data protection business from uh, 1988 and grew it in a couple of markets, San Jose, Sacramento, and then ultimately Los Angeles, and grew that business and sold it to what was Bramble's and then became Recall. We were their second acquisition back in 1992. And uh, we were a small little data protection business. And that's how Recall got its
0: start and how I got mine. So when Bramble's bought National Safe Depository, you you had become the data protector. So what you're saying is Brambles really saw National Safe Depository as a opportunity to get into the data protection business. Is that kind of the, is that what I'm hearing?
1: Yep, exactly. And uh, Hmm. funny enough, you know, I was reading Morning Brew a couple of weeks ago and we now have a shortage of safe deposit boxes. So There's a new business opportunity for somebody, but we were a little bit ahead of the curve. I guess you would say it only took about 30 years, but yeah, Brambles actually ended up acquiring, before we even became Recall, they acquired like 16 to 20 companies. And most of those were in data protection before they ever even got into document management and certainly before we got into shredding. Interesting.
0: That's, that's a really interesting part of the story that I wasn't really aware of. So, so you get then purchased, Brambles becomes Recall or through, through whatever process that happened, then you get acquired. What? Tell me a little bit about your growth and development and the roles you played in the greater recall environment. And then where, you know, give me a little bit of the story of your past now from that origin through through recent.
1: Yeah, well, this is probably a a boring story, but we acted like independent organizations in the early days. We were very entrepreneurial and we just basically had that we were left to our own devices and asked to hit our numbers. And that's what we did. And back in those days, you did every job you could think of, right? And I've done every job in the industry at this point now. At a high level, I ended up getting asked to run the data protection business for a recall for all of North America, which included Canada. And it was a small, you know, medium-sized, $50 million business. They were kind enough at you know, I had some success. They were kind enough to put me through Stanford's executive program. And from that, and you're going to love this. I used to joke to the guy that ran our shredding business. I said, man, you keep running that garbage business. And I used to always needle them in our business meetings, right? Well, I, I finished the executive program, had been running North America for about five years, get called into the CEO's office in Atlanta. And he says, hey, Nate, guess what? We're going to have you run the shredding business. So be careful what you say. It can always come around to you. So I ran the shredding business and that's where you and I first met. Right. While I was running that, ran into Bob Johnson and that was a, I think, I still, he'll, he laughs at this story. If you'll let me digress a little, but I still remember going to my first NAID conference and sitting at a round table for new members where uh, a guy mentioned. How he bought himself a shred. Um, what do they call those things again? Shoot, they bought he bought himself a tree, a tree stumping device, and got himself in the shredding business, basically.
0: Yeah, and that's
1: that was my first introduction to shredding. And you know, I ran a hundred and fifty million dollar region for all businesses shredding, document data protection, and a number of other things. My latest venture before I was actively retired was COO of Access. I did that for about five years.
0: Right. So you you've had a lot of obviously a lot of history in this industry but but I I think you know one one part of the story that I think is helpful to remember is back in 2013 2014 you actually served as president of Prism International as I recall. So what do you remember happening back then in the the industry as that association was trying to figure out where it was going in the world because back in 2013 2014 acquisitions seemed like holy cow we, we there's no more people to acquire at this point it felt like there was already a lot of acquisition done but i don't know i'm just maybe asking you to go back in your memory bank and and what was happening back then as you recall
1: yeah interesting question i uh huh. well back back then you know the, the roll-up was still buzzing. You know, there were still yep. a lot of consolidators. I You know, Jim Booth was resigning as the executive director of PRISM. And, you know, we were looking at outsourcing to a, a, an association management company, which I understand didn't go quite the way we had hoped. But we were looking at doing a lot of things. I think the real key question at that time was really around sustainability. It was a key part of everything that we were doing. And interesting, interestingly enough, you know that we started the early stages of merger uh, with NAID back then. I think I did my first presentation on the four quadrants of what I thought needed to happen all the way back in 2010. And then I did it more formally um, as my last action as president was I produced a couple of concepts for how we could merge with Nate. And then I guess it eventually happened after I, after I departed.
0: So fast forward then, so that that's history and there's connection and history in terms of your story to the industry, to the association, but let's fast forward to early 2022. Tell me about the initial reconnection with Sigma because you know, obviously you, you were the access for a while for five years as chief operating officer. And then there was this gap and in 2022, you reconnected. So tell me about the reconnection. Tell me a little bit about the opportunity that presented itself. What thrilled you, what scared you about this opportunity that showed up? Tell me, tell me a little bit about the (laughs) the reconnection story.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, but So, I was actively retired. I was doing odds and ends type stuff. I was doing some business valuations. I had a little consulting company where I was just doing some confidential type stuff for some organizations, helping people, you know, position their companies, things like that. I was doing some mentoring and coaching, similar to what you were doing, just having a pretty easy time. COVID came and, you know, COVID kind of disrupted everything for everybody, right? And I was no different. But I'll be honest, I don't think I made out for, you know, retirement. I was, I'm ADHD and so I was just like bored. And so I was starting to do some volunteer work and I was uh, named a director for a little nonprofit out of San Francisco. And that was that, believe it or not, here's the crazy thing. I never saw the opportunity for I Sigma through my LinkedIn until after I was on a nonprofit board. And, uh, it came across my LinkedIn and kind of fell into my lap and just came to me. And mm. I really liked the nonprofit space. And ultimately that's how this opportunity came to me. One thing led to another. And, you know, I looked at it, I've been pretty fortunate in my life. The industry has been really good to me. I wanted to do something. It's an opportunity to give back. And ultimately what helped me make the decision was I'm like, I wanted to see if I could make a difference. And if I can make a difference, I'll be around for a while. If I get to the point where I'm no longer useful, I won't.
0: Yeah. So it was, I believe, August, you stepped into the formal role as CEO of iSigma. Tell me about this first, the, the first six months leading up till today. Like um, tell me about sort of reconnecting <laughs> with the industry, the the new consolidated association that you're a part of now. All of like, I, I don't know. I'm just interested in sort of, I'm always interested in how somebody goes from being in the industry outside and then comes back in, and and just how you've processed this whole thing for the last six months.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, you know the 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 cool thing is, and I have to say that the board did a it was an amazing process. It was quickly acted, and I did the interview. It was the biggest and largest interview I've ever done for a job. I think there's like 15 people in the room, Tom. You believe that?: Wow, but uh, they had some faith in me, and we worked things out, and I actually flew out to Phoenix in July just to meet the team and give them an opportunity to meet me. And like any time you take on a new job, you know you kind of have a 100 day plan, and mine was mine was built around uh, leadership alignment on vision, mission and objectives, doing a team assessment, which by the way, we have a fantastic group of smart caring and enthusiastic individuals inside the I Sigma office hopefully we get a chance to talk about them a little bit more because uh, they're a really dedicated dedicated group i did a uh, voice of the client where i reached out personally i dialed for dollars man i just started reaching out to members i've now spoken to well over a hundred members which would be service providers corporate partners even our auditors so even some of our adjacent partners, like I've spoken to some of the leaders of a number of other adjacent organizations that we've worked with from the client side. So I was focusing on, you know, basically two or three questions in those calls, focusing on what we do well, and what they appreciate about iSigma, what they thought we could improve and where they'd like us to go in the future. And um, from that, we developed a plan. But here's a question for you, Tom, take a guess what our members thought was the uh, best thing that they liked about I-Sigma.
0: Oh, well, that's a, a, yeah, that's a guess because I have no clue what that, I mean, it would be connection. It would be connection to each other, I'm I'm guessing is one of the strong ones. I don't know.
1: Well, so I'll tell you, the three, there were lots of stuff. And again, when you have that many calls, you get a lot of different answers. But there was some, there was some similarities. And the one was basically conference, which is sort of what you said, conference allows for networking and connection. Two yep. was certification. And then three was you know kind of our government relations advocacy. There were a couple of other that were kind of close to that in terms of overall weighted average, but the two big ones were conference and certification. Yep. And take a guess of what they thought we could improve the most on, or they'd like to see more improvement on conference and certification. So the things they like the most are also the things they'd like us to improve. And so where they'd like us to go in the future, we got a lot of different responses. But from that, I developed a plan with our team to help drive some of those improvements and create opportunities based on the assessment. And we've been executing on that where, you know, I'm aligning my team with a common purpose. And here's some just some updates, if you want, on what we've done, yeah. right? One of the one of the things we found out early is that when we went to a remote workforce, our phone system didn't support it, right? So calls weren't getting answered and responded to in a timely fashion. Well, guess what? In the first 30 days, because of a fantastic team member that had already done a lot of the work, I just had to push it over the edge. We implemented a new phone system where now we can answer the questions. It goes through a tree. And, you know, from all calls, we can see how many even go to voicemail and eighty over 80% of our calls now get answered with one dial into the organization. We've implemented some software for our certification program called Time to Reply. Alicia, who runs that group for us, does a fantastic job. And she now can tell how long it takes for every single one of on her team to respond to a certification request or email. We've installed Calendly so people can make appointments with us and make that a lot easier. We've implemented a digital signage through box.com. And we're now working to help support our auditors better through bill pay and automating those kinds of things. And then the big one, which is conference that you probably, you can probably see from some of the emails that we send out. Kelly, who when you want to talk about high energy, that woman is amazing. Um, She is smart, enthusiastic, and I think you know her well, but she's really fantastic. But her and her team have completely, you know, we're really looking to completely revamp a lot of our conference with a changing agenda, shaking some things up with new elements, adding value for long-term attendees and industry veterans and trying to balance that a little bit. And so you may have heard that we're going to have an executive leadership luncheon on Wednesday now. We've got a top golf for maximizing networking opportunities. We're going to have a um, dedicated expo hours for our owners that come out of the uh, executive leadership lunch, and a new one. Something that you'll see that we just got past the board that you'll be excited about. In so this is a uh, you get an early release of this, Tom. But nice. we're going to have something called the Impact Awards for our exhibitors and corporate partners to better highlight industry innovations, entrepreneurial efforts like that. And so So uh, we're really super excited about some of these changes. I'm really passionate about it. And I just have to tell you, Kelly and her team, you know, Sarah, who if I go a week without hearing from her, giving me a hard time and keeping me straight, she's our parliamentarian and she really keeps us on task. And Maggie, who does our IG direct and on our journal, just that entire team is just great. and Joy, who's helping us with automation. This Kelly's team just does a fantastic job. And I think you're going to see it, feel it and appreciate it. When you come to conference this year, we find, I don't know if you know, do you know that we've signed our keynote speaker?
0: Yeah, I've seen that in uh, some of the the stuff that's come out of head office in the last week or so. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah, we're pretty stoked. This guy's a serial, serial entrepreneur. If you follow his story, it's Jesse Cole. He's the uh, yellow tux guy of the Savannah Bananas. But this guy, if you want to learn to stand out from your competition in a market, and you're an entrepreneur that gets frustrated competing with the big guys, this is a, a little guy in a little market that made a big impact. And I'm really excited about what I think he'll bring to our conference to address some of the you know, the struggles that we all have in building market share.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Well, that's that's very exciting. And I, I really appreciate you spending some time connecting back to the team because, I mean, you you can come in as as in in the role of CEO executive director, but you need a significant team to pull all this stuff off. So thank you for mentioning them and honoring them in this transition. So maybe coming from the other side, because I think that's a lot of really exciting stuff that you're talking about. But what are some of the challenges you're seeing on the horizon for the association?
1: Challenges, huh? Well, in my mind, there's always going to be challenge, right? I think growing the organization is all, you know, growing a business anytime is always tough, right? And looking at those Adjacent opportunities to help develop new growth will be something that will be a a big focus. Developing consistent service and member improvements. You know, how we automate. I mean, I really am pushing automation in a big way. This year we've got, you know, I don't want to spill the beans because there's a lot of work that has to go into and it's not quite ready to kick out yet, but we're really looking at automating a number of uh, touch points, and the service points that our members have to deal with, and it's going to require some investment and a lot of hard work, but you know those are the challenges that I see growing the business, developing opportunities that support our members more and can drive more value, and uh, automating our business to simplify things on the back end and to make the overall experience for our members easier and more efficient
0: yeah yeah May, maybe one that that I'm a you know, I, I tend to have lots of these kind of conversations with people as as a coach in the industry is, you know, acquisitions have, you know, they, they feel like historically, I mean, we talked earlier about back in 2012, 2014, it felt like there's no more room for acquisitions. And it's just continued for years. And I think we're getting to now where there, there legitimately aren't a lot of record storage vendors around there that that has evolved, but there's, there's not a ton of those left. And, and now we're starting to see more aggressive acquisitions in the shredding space, rollups in that industry and, and more and more of that. And that always impacts the association because as you buy out members, the, the number that comes, you know, that, that affects membership. So how do you, You as the leader, as the CEO of iSigma, how do you think about that? How do you process that either internally to yourself as you think about how the association evolves?
1: Well, again, these are just my opinions and thoughts, so I appreciate you asking them, but Yeah, I I see these businesses as having strong local operators are doing quite nicely today. And like I said, I've reached out to a lot of them. There's a lot more independent operators than there are consolidators. And there are fewer consolidators than there used to be. So I, I, I do give a lot of thought to that. And what goes through my mind is again, I'm a competitor. I love to compete. One of the reasons I got back into doing this is I just missed the game of business. I just mm. love the business. I love the I love the issues. I love the the complaints. I just love all of it, right? And I've got a great team that helps me. But I think that how we advocate for that local operator and help them grow and stay relevant is something that I'm hoping that I Sigma can help and support, helping them build some new service offerings for growth, helping them look at their untapped capacity and find other ways that they can use that available capacity to do something different, to grow their businesses so that they're not so reliant on one thing. And so I don't know whether it's the ITAD space, the IT asset disposition space or medical waste, maybe it's going to be safety consulting. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I Sigma can be an advocate for that kind of growth. And if we, if we can't do that, then help me, let me, Figure out a way. As, you know, I've operated some pretty big businesses. If we can help our our local providers become more efficient or run better with less risk, then we'll do that. So, anything we can do from an education perspective or help an operator be more, make more money, let me make it simple. I want to help our local operators make more money. How's that?
0: Yeah. Well, and I and I think it's such an important perspective because the reality is business. It, all, business has always been hard. i I think within this industry, we have the unique connection to security, connection to data, to the kind of stuff that is never off the radar for clients and And so the opportunity to grow, to develop, to evolve our our you know local operations is a really valuable thing to think about. And I'm glad you guys are thinking about that. So you, you mentioned earlier in a lot of your conversations, you know, the certifications and the two certifications under the I-Sigma umbrella, NAID, AAA, and Prism Privacy Plus. And you talk, to, you talk to members about them, but how do you see those certifications evolving with the current state of data protection, information security that is so prevalent in today's world and is so important? How, how do you, as a CEO, sort of taking, becoming the the new leader of this environment, how do you think about those certifications and and where they go and how they grow and how they evolve based on your conversations, based on what you've learned? What's coming up for you?
1: That You want to know something weird to me is when I talk to a lot of local operators and I had some recently you know, talk to me about how we've raised our rates and inflation has just gotten the best of us here. Right. But when I think of the certification, you want to know the most awesome thing about certification? Think about this, Tom. I mean, you're a real super smart guy. It's one of the things I I love about you. And I hope we get to share another glass of wine. Like the last time I saw you face to face, we get to do that. But when I, the certification, we're just talking here, right? Do you realize that for just a couple grand a year, plus a little bit of stuff that you got to do on your end, that a local operator that could be doing a half a million to a million dollars can compete with the three and four billion dollar company and level the playing field? To me, certification levels that playing field and it's a core competency of Sigma. I mean, who's to say that today... We have a core competency for threading and privacy plus and data protection. Who's to say that we don't use that core competency in other ways in the future? Our our unique mm. certification program gives clarity. You know, Citibank, Bank of America, any of those companies, they love our program because we do the work for them. And we do it on a global basis. And if right. I'm a local operator and I want to grow my business, right? And I want to go after contracts that are maybe a law firm that's in six, ten different markets. I now have a network of companies that do business that meet a standard just like mine. So I don't know. I just think that that's important. So then the second part of your question is really about the evolution and how we continue to review that spec and remain relevant. And, you know, security needs to change over time and our program's not static and that's what keeps us on the cutting edge. And I think we will look to develop into adjacent service opportunities and be seen as security experts, Hmm. protecting personal information. I think that will allow our members to grow their service and offer ways. I mean, no one does it less expensively than we do. We're still that best option. So I think we'll continue to look at how that works internationally, try to add more markets internationally so it remains relevant. And we'll continue to advocate, you know, through government relations to make sure ours is seen as the standard.
0: Very cool. That's, that's fabulous. So I Uh, want you to question.
1: I I, I just want to make sure I answered your question. Yeah,
0: no. And I think it's a a moving target. I think, you know, the impact of certification, certification gives us a, a credentialing structure. To work within, but the outside world keeps evolving. I mean, that the reality of how complex personal privacy data security has become demands that we're constantly evolving that process. And so I believe what you said is we've got something really worth sharing with the world. To have a AAA NAID certification or a privacy plus says something that gives you a level playing field. It's also something that you know owned and sense that I can deliver this as a as a local operator gives you some some street cred, which I think is really important. that street cred has for many years been something really important to operators, so much so that I think all of the the nationals and international big three billion dollar companies bought in right because of the value of it it
1: does you can't compete you. I was speaking with a smaller provider just the other day and they were saying, gosh, it costs a lot more to do. I go, but do you realize what you're getting? Yeah. The value of what you're getting is is immense and why you wouldn't want to continue it, you're not going to be able to win any sort of a state, local, or multi-market contract without it. So it's a cost of doing business at this point. I don't understand why every single operator in i sigma isn't certified there are still some that aren't and it it just shocks me
0: yeah yeah all right well let, let's change track for a bit and let, let's assume that you and i are having a conversation at the start of 2026 so project out three years and we're sitting down having this conversation what has to have happened at in the association for you to feel extremely proud of the results that you've helped lead or create. Like, like just go out into the future. And we've talked about current and present and you know, sort of getting started, but like project out a little bit. Like give me a sense of of what, you know, internally and be, you know, go inside here, go into the depth of your soul and, and tell me what really would make you feel good three years from now. What, oh, what would man. make you proud? You're the
1: best, Tom. You are the best. You're so clever. That's a nice way of asking me about my three-year plan, huh?
0: So maybe subtly, but yeah. But I, I, I want it from the perspective of it's done and you feel no. really good. Yeah, I know.
1: I know. I got you. I, I, love, I love the question. And, you know, I appreciate it. I just, I think you're clever. I love it. But hey, so look. First things for the future. I hope to see my relationships grow both externally and internally with the I Sigma team members, and that my team continues to grow and develop into fearless, risk-taking, action-oriented rock stars. You know that there some of them will be running new-focused initiatives that bring great business growth, excitement, and value to our team members. That. That's probably like my own personal mission statement of making a difference. And what they could be working on are bridges to client and service providers. They could be getting us into new opportunities. I'd like to see us either acquire or develop some new core competencies. And something my team hears all the time is how can we add value, but something I'll say to all of the members that are listening to this, if there is anyone out there that has a sphere of common interest with I Sigma, then we want to, we want to listen to it. We want to partner with them. We want to, we want to advance it. And so I'd like to see us advance mm. into a couple of new business opportunities and ventures in three years, or at least see a pathway to that. So I don't know if that, yeah, I like to okay. see us automate and simplify processes. I mean, I, I got a, I got a slew of things, but the ones that I think that are most relative of what you're really asking for is a, a team that can get it done and then move us into some new directions for growth for our, and values for our corporate partners and for our member service providers.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, love it. So we've heard a little bit about Nate, the, the professional CEO. But for those who don't have a history with you, who don't know you, tell me a little bit about your life unrelated to work. Like, are you a dog guy or are you a cat guy? Are you like, are you a hiker or are you a football guy? I, I mean, just, just give us a sense. Give us a glimpse into Nate, the guy. The Nate, guy. the
1: guy, huh? Well, I am a dog lover. As a matter of fact, I have an English bulldog who is the brand. I I have a a fun little side gig that I do where I age Manhattans and old fashions. And my brand is called Hankering because my dog is Hank. I'll have to serve you one. I'll have to bring some one of these days, but I give away 70%, but it's a fun little hobby for me. I'm so you, uh,
0: sorry. Well, I, I just need to understand that you age old fashions.
1: I barrel age old fashions. I'll send you a couple pics when we're done here today, but I age them and I got my English bulldog as my mascot. And like I say, it's called the Hank Green Bulldog Distillery. And all I do is age Manhattan's primarily. I have like seven different recipes and I've got a, a current black walnut old fashioned that is that got harvested last week. So I harvest it out. I give a lot of it away as gifts. You know, friends, neighbors enjoy it. And I've got, like I said, I've got a, a, a Manhattan with a vanilla bean in it and just some variety of things. So I enjoy doing that. I've, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've got, you know, I've been married 33 years. I'm as loyal as a Labrador. I love my family and my life. I've got two kids. They're in graduate school. One is in New York. near you know, going to uh, SUNY Optometry to be an optometrist? After she graduated from Purdue, my son went to NYU and is now at Berkeley for law and is halfway through going towards law school. And I like doing everything, you know, snowboarding, running, golfing, hiking. I like all that stuff. The thing that's really been driving a lot of my uh, excess time is something that I'm hoping could be a part of the future of iSigma, where I hope I can blend these a little more, is the volunteer stuff I'm doing. I think you noticed my LinkedIn I uh, just got elected to be president of our uh, little nonprofit that provides job opportunities and housing for individuals with developmental disabilities. Mm. And I have to tell you, I will continue to probably do that the rest of my life. It has been such a uh, joy. I mean, there is nothing that makes you feel better than being able to give because you get back so much more. And so I have really enjoyed Reaching out. I've in the last 12 to 18 months, I've done due diligence or efforts and works with 15 different nonprofits in that space that our nonprofit helps support by granting them money for infrastructure and everything else. And I can even tell you a big shout out to my buddy Michael Fructor. He actually donated to our my little nonprofit called Helpers community. It's an old, old nonprofit been around since 1956, but I'm on the board and it's a lot of fun. I enjoy that quite a bit. And I hope at some point that we can have a give back community service type of thing inside of I Sigma because we're all successful and it would be nice if we can find a way to give back to the communities. And I, I find it to be really worth it.
0: Well, very d- delightful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your personal story And, and about the hankering bulldog distillery that, that's uh, a helper's community is really amazing. Bulldog distillery is kind of, it is also interesting. So thanks for sharing that.
1: You, I don't know. Do you drink a Manhattan or an old fashioned? No,
0: no, No? I, I, I I don't. I mean, I I have. I
1: I won't make one for you, but I will say that, like I said, I have seven different recipes. And if anybody is interested, have them reach out to me and it doesn't always have to, I want to have fun. Tom, I'm doing this job because I want to make a difference. I want to work with people that I enjoy. And, you know, the industry is really great. There's a lot of great, big, giant personalities in this industry. I love it all. It's really fun. You know, my goal is to help build confidence in the I Sigma team, make sure that we're focused and dedicated on helping our members any way that we can. We are not infallible. Let me assure you of that. But we want to own it. We want to be client-focused. We have a desire. The, the team that I have is so smart. They're so much smarter than me. And they care so much. That's one thing I've learned. Like Alicia manages the certification team and her, her small team of three or four people. They've got, uh, Victoria's our most recent hire, but Karen's been there for a long time. And you should see the amount that she cares about every single one being successful in their audits, their unannounced audits helping them through when their paperwork's not right. I mean this team really cares and so it's kind of fun to to see that happen and I just hope that we can continue to build on our our mission statement.
0: Well, Nate, if I can call you that, thank you for yeah. th- thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for taking the time to to give us a sense of of where you are, where you've come from, your vision for the future, and how you're doing all that. And on behalf of the industry, who are listening, I want to wish you a great success in in the days, months, and years ahead. So, thank you for. Thank you for joining us on the uh, the podcast today.
1: Well, hey, I appreciate it. Can I say one more thing that might be important that I think this is something that our members will want to want to hear? Yeah, okay, so you know we're trying to change things up for conference, and I should say that if they want to be a part, we changed it up right our golf our golf event used to average right around sixty. The best year that I could find was about eighty two but it, and I, our worst year was like 26. And this announcement's important because we don't have a lot of time to make a decision. Believe it, get this, Tom. We already have for our top golf event, which will be Wednesday from three to 6 or Wednesday, 3 to 6.30, somewhere around that time frame, we already have over 80 percent of that sold out. We have wow. over 100 people already signed up for the top golf event. We have a limited amount of capacity at the moment. And if I want to extend it, I have a decision I have to make in the early part of February. So, for anybody out there who's listening to this who has not signed up and wants to be a part of a very fun event, whether you golf or not, doesn't matter because the way Top Golf works is you don't have to golf. You can just sit there and eat appetizers and have a drink and just network with our friends. It's going to be a really fun event. It's something new and different that we are trying. But due to this isn't me. There's a gap, there's a cap on what I can do based on the space that we allocated on last year. So if people want to go to that, they need to sign up for it soon, yeah. or they're going to be left out because of fire laws and capacity issues. I do have an opportunity to expand it, but we only have about 20% left. And so that's very real.
0: Got it. Okay. And and I know how much people love their top golf. So if you like golf and you're into something really interesting, if you've never done top golf, it's definitely worth the trip. But to you're, what you're saying is, if you're interested, get yourself connected quickly, get yourself registered and uh, signed up for top golf so that you can make a final decision whether you expand or not. So yeah.
1: And that's that. And it's really not even about golf. If you've been to top golf, you know, but right. we've, we've allocated a really killer space. The top golf in Vegas is the number one top golf, probably I think, in the world, and we've allocated a really killer space so you don't even have to golf. This is a networking fun event. It so, almost acts like a kickoff, and the Veco plan has been gracious enough to be the sponsor of it, and it's going to be a really great fun event. I mean, like I said, we're already 50 percent better than our average year for a normal golf event. And our numbers for conference this year, if you care, Tom? Is we are, they're forty percent better, forty percent better on our numbers this year than we were last year. So Very conference good. is shaping up really nicely. I think we already have almost almost three hundred people signed up for conference this year. So I'm looking for some fun. We're going to have a good time. We're going to try to learn a little bit. If you can get two or three new ideas, network with some people so that you can see the organizations that you work with and can work with in the future. And hopefully we can bring some value, but we're really trying differently this year to do something. And so I just want to let people know it's, it's moving quickly this year. And it's not like years past where you could just kind of have a laissez-faire attitude about signing up for some of these things. They could get sold out. So there is a little bit of an action for people if they're listening to this.
0: Well, very exciting. Well, thank you, thank you for uh, sharing all that. And to everyone listening who is uh, considering the conference, you you have just gotten a, a little bit of a an offer there. So make it happen. <laughs> Nate, man, it's been great talking to you. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for doing this and much success in 2023.
1: Hey, Tom, thank you. I hope we get an opportunity to share a glass. I hope we get a chance to sit down in person in March. I look forward to working with you as much as possible in the future. You're a great guy. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to visit theshredcoach.com for regular functional training modules directly from Tom. And subscribe to our email list so you can have first access to brand new stories, insights, and strategies from trusted shredding and business professionals.